What's up, everybody? I'm David Hain. Welcome to episode 52 of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. I want to give a shout out to our new listeners from Indonesia and Bangladesh. That brings our total reach to 42 countries. Thanks, everybody. If you would like one-on-one counseling or to launch or join a group using the podcasts or the From Ashes to Destiny curriculum, please send me a message by email at davidfromatod at gmail.com or go to my website www.fromatod.org and click on the contact page. When we come back, we'll get into this episode entitled Loose Inhibitions Sink Ships. Welcome back to episode 52, entitled Loose Inhibitions Sink Ships. The idiom loose lips sink ships came into being during World War II. It became a widespread poster campaign to alert the American servicemen to watch what they say and who they say it to. For the general public, it was a call not to spread gossip or stories that might undermine the morale of the soldiers or the young men who were soon to be drafted into military service. After the war ended, it has remained as a saying to avoid careless talk in public situations where you don't know who might overhear what you are saying. I've put a spin on this idiom for today's episode entitled Loose Inhibitions Sink Ships. By this I mean that our inhibitions, if left unguarded, could sink the ship of our recovery. To start out, let's define inhibitions. What does the word inhibition mean? Well, it's a thought or a mental process that causes us to restrain our behavior, to suppress our response to an urge or desire. In other words, It's like hitting the brakes rather than the gas pedal when we have an impulse. And rather than acting on the impulse, we have an opportunity to nip it in the bud, to delay our urge for instant gratification, and to be able to process our thoughts before they grow into compulsive desires. In addiction, we live a life with the inability to suppress behavioral impulses, to pick up a drug, a drink, watch porn, whatever the impulse might be. Impulsivity is considered to be an important risk factor for the onset of drug abuse and the development of dependence and substance abuse disorder. Broadly defined, impulsivity refers to a pattern of being out of control and constantly chasing instant gratification. The urge hits. Impulsively, we have the opportunity to use, or compulsively, we've been dwelling in the thought, and it draws us like a magnet that we can't resist. We are not able to delay gratification, and any consideration of potential consequences flies out the window. Impulse control disorders and substance use disorders frequently co-occur. Studies found 
that about 35 to 50 percent of people with intermittent explosive disorders, one of the impulse control disorders, also have substance use disorders. Also, roughly 40% of all violent crimes have involved the use of or being under the influence of alcohol when the crime was committed. An impulse control disorder is a condition in which a person has trouble controlling emotions or behaviors. Often the behaviors violate the rights of others or conflict with societal norms and the law. Both impulse control and substance use disorders are characterized by compulsion and a lack of control. Control over our choice, our behavior, and our use of drugs or alcohol. People with either disorder also experience a craving to use and to carry out the behavior which often includes aggression, violence, and bouts of rage. People who have consumed drugs or alcohol often do things that are outside their norm and outside their comfort zone. Many of you can remember times when you were more social, friendly, or able to relax in an environment where alcohol or drugs were present. This is because of looser or lowered inhibitions. These are caused by a momentary lapse in control of your actions as a result of alcohol or drug consumption. Inhibitions allow you to regulate yourself and your behaviors. In some people, this may come across as shyness or a refusal to do certain things. Drugs and alcohol lower our inhibitions. They loosen you up, causing you to act in ways you wouldn't normally. This comes with many risks. Have you tried to loosen or lower your inhibitions in order to fit in or to be happier? Maybe to gain acceptance with certain people or to seem more fun to be around. Maybe you've loosened up your inhibitions to feel more comfortable in social situations, to be more sociable and outgoing. Some of you might have lowered your inhibitions to deal with your anxiety or to escape your thoughts or pain. Maybe some of you do it just to be carefree and ready to take risks and say yes to any dare. But you see, when we lower our inhibitions, when we loosen up our inhibitions, we can get to that point where we feel that nothing's holding us back. And that's when trouble comes. Sean Mendez sang about this in his song, There's Nothing Holding Me Back. Listen to some of the lyrics. Oh, I've been shaking. I love it when you go crazy. You take all my inhibitions. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. You take me places that tear up my reputation, manipulate my decisions. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. There's nothing holding me back. Have you been at that point where you've loosened up your inhibitions and lost your reputation and you felt that your decisions were being manipulated by drugs or alcohol? Is your story one like this where 
maybe in your teens or early 20s, you realized you had trouble approaching social settings. You quickly discovered that if you drank or used drugs, you were no longer as inhibited as you were before around other people's. This is one of the most common causes of early addiction. Slowly, emotional dependence develops as you feel the need to use on a regular basis emotionally long before you have begun to build up physical dependency. And the longer we stay in our addiction, the more it impacts our brain chemistry. Drugs and alcohol primarily affect the brain's frontal cortex, which is responsible not only for inhibition, but also decision-making, planning, and memory. Basically, the frontal cortex is responsible for overall cognition. While our general behavioral inhibitions may be regulated by the frontal cortex, it also regulates what are known as response inhibitions. As substance abuse dulls our inhibitions, and our capacity for sound decision-making, we become increasingly likely to react to situations inappropriately. And that leads to risks of these lowered or loosened inhibitions. Things like getting into an accident or getting injured, engaging in possible criminal behaviors, being more open to try other drugs and harder drugs, having violent outbursts and getting into fights, taking part in unwanted or unsafe sexual encounters, and maybe being the victim of a crime because of the situations we put ourselves in. You see, we may have drank and used drugs because we thought they would create an ideal version of ourselves who was fun, outgoing, personable, as we begin to get sober, we realize that such a person does exist without having to get high. We simply went the wrong way about bringing that person to the surface. We don't have to use drugs or alcohol to find that person anymore. And the brain over time will attempt to repair itself. The frontal cortex will attempt to repair itself. But every time we relapse, we push back that repair timetable further and further. So it's a vital piece as we sail on our ship called recovery that we begin to reestablish our positive inhibitions rather than continuing to live with loose inhibitions. Positive inhibitions help to keep us from relapsing and getting into trouble. So, how do we start out? Well, first, we can restore and rebuild our inhibitions by setting up a type of pause button to curb your impulsivity. It's like calling a timeout whenever you feel those impulsive urges growing. A second way to restore and rebuild your inhibitions is to capture your thoughts. When you find your mind starting to go there, write down your thoughts. Begin to list the pros and cons of the decisions 
that you're almost ready to make. Third, you could talk to sober friends about it, get their input, get their advice. And fourth, you could seek the advice of your coach or mentor, your support network, and actively listen and see the situation through their lens, through their eyes, not just your own. Fifth, don't react as a knee-jerk response. Find the value of patience. Sixth, act like a journalist. Ask the who, what, when, where, and why questions about each options before you and before you act on them. And finally, number seven, consider the consequences and choose non-harmful outcomes. And in closing, I'd like to say, don't the feelings of guilt and shame, which we all feel as we start the voyage of recovery, lead to anxiety, which causes your impulsivity to return, and with it, the loosing or lowering of your inhibitions. The fact that you feel some guilt and shame is actually a time to celebrate that your conscience is functioning again. You got that? The fact that you feel some guilt and shame is a time to celebrate that your conscience is actually functioning again. That's a huge part of recovery. See it as a sign of hope that you're no longer numbing all of your emotions to the point that you feel no remorse. It can be the beacon that leads your ship into calmer waters where you can toss your negative inhibitions overboard and continue to grow your positive inhibitions. Remember, loose inhibitions sink ships. Thanks for listening to this episode of the A to D from Addict to Disciple podcast. If you enjoy these podcasts, please share the link with your friends. If you'd like to support our work with people caught in the snare of addiction, homelessness, or incarceration, wherever they are around the world, click on the support link in this episode's description. Your donation of any amount could change a life. Tune in Monday for our next episode, and as always, stay safe and stay strong.